and welcome to episode 36 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to separate out all the cards of the expansion so you can just play the base game again. This week, we're talking about expansions. First, we discuss a few games we've played recently, like 18OE, World's Fair 1893, and the Ferengi and Cardassian expansions for Star Trek Ascendancy. Then, we dig into the topic of expansions in board games. Are they necessary? How much is too much? And what can an expansion add to a game? Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word expand. And now, here are your hosts. Ambie, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. So before we get into our recently played games, we wanted to make a couple of announcements. First, we I can't believe we haven't mentioned this on the show before, but Watch It Played, uh, which is a web series by Rodney Smith, is running an Indiegogo fundraising campaign for their next season, and it is almost over. When this episode airs, it will have either a day or two left in the campaign, and we would love for you guys to go and support it. We're going to put a link to the Indiegogo in the show notes, but if you just go to Indiegogo.com and type in Watch It Played, that will get you to it as well. Yeah, Rodney Smith's really awesome. Like, I've played some games with him in real life, and it's really fun. And his videos are really good, too. What he does is he makes videos about how to play a game, and he Mm -hmm. kind of takes you through it step by step in a really approachable way. So I feel like we need him to keep making content. He is a really nice person, and he's doing really good work, and it's very well produced. And um, he's technically hit his funding goal for the year, but he has some stretch goals that technically I honestly think are just as important as his baseline goal. Like um, he has a co-host, Pep, who helps him with his videos. And Pep currently, as we record this, is not funded yet. The Pep-o-meter isn't filled. (laughs) And so we need that to happen. And if he hits $100,000, he's going to do a tutorial for Star Wars Rebellion, which a lot of people have been asking him about for the past year. In other news, we've gotten a handful of new supporters on our Patreon, which is awesome, and you all rock. (laughs) So exciting. And I'm not being facetious. I seriously mean it. You guys are the best. Um, So if you are not a supporter of our Patreon, but you would like to be, you can join us at patreon.com slash boardgameblitz and get invited to our super sweet Slack channel. It is super sweet. And you can get access to that for literally $1 a month. That's, I mean, come on. In this day and age, what else can you get for a dollar a month? Not very much. A cheeseburger. A cheeseburger. (laughs) And I don't know if that's going to sustain you for an entire month, so. No. (laughs) Our last bit of news, I am going to be participating in something (laughs) called the Fantasy Board Game League. It's going to be the second annual Fantasy Board Game League uh, hosted by the Draft Mechanic podcast. And basically, we have drafted teams of board games and then based on those games getting played and getting rated on board game geek we'll gain points every week similar to how a fantasy football team would work and what's cool is you guys can actually participate in this so you're gonna go to a website that we're gonna link in the show notes it is draftmechanic.net slash fbgl so if you vote you will be eligible to win a hundred dollars to an online game store of your choice and that's going to be picked randomly, but just you should vote for my matchups because it'll be more fun if I'm getting votes. If you're following us on social media, you may have seen pictures of me playing games over Labor Day weekend. And one of the games I played was 18OE. 18OE was published in 2014. It was a Kickstarter. 
designed by Edward Sindelar and published by DICE, which is Designs and Creative Entertainment, LLC. And the art is by Gary Simpson. I mention the art because 18OE is probably the prettiest 18xx game I've played. It's actually published, like not handmade. It has art, thick cardboard, and the box is huge. Uh, it takes up a lot of table space. There's two huge boards that make up the main map, and that fit on our table barely. And then there's another side table, or sideboard for the stock market, and we got a separate table for it. But yeah, there are pictures on our social media of it if you want to see what it looks like. So 18OE is an epic 18xx game. We played the full game, which took us 10 hours of playtime, not including setup and breaks. Dang! <laughs> yeah, we played most of it on Sunday and then a couple hours on Monday. We were planning on playing Sunday through Monday. And 10 hours is actually quick for the game because I've heard people say it takes 14 or more hours. Anyway, if you can't tell, it's a huge scale game. We played it with three players and each of us were running 10 different companies at the beginning of the game. And at the end, we we're each running five to seven companies, which is why it takes so long because you have to do stuff for all of them. The map's huge, and because of that, most of the time our companies were just doing their own thing, and we didn't really know or care what other people were doing, so it felt kind of like multiplayer solitaire, which is not something I look for in an 18xx game, since I enjoy them for the crazy player interaction that happens. But there were some interesting mechanics in 18OE. There are different types of companies. There's miners, regionals, majors, and nationals. And the most exciting parts of the game were when the companies evolved into the next level or they merged with the miners, which gave them more powers and flexibility. And we all built epic routes across the whole map. There's also ports and you can go across the sea, which I did with all my companies to get a route to the Orient Express, which is what 18OE stands for, 18 Orient Express. But although the map scale was epic, the game as a whole fell flat for us because of the solitaire feeling. So I think the game is too big and that size took away from it. But there are different scenarios in 18OE that only use part of the map, so the smaller scenarios probably have more interaction and take less time. And I've heard it works with two players, so we might try those, but I don't think we'll be playing the full game again. <laughs> 10 hours is a very large commitment to a game. Yeah, that's why we were waiting till Labor Day weekend to play it. <laughs> One of my favorite roller coasters when I was a kid in Kansas City was called the Orient Express. <laughs> and now I'm picturing trying to play a board game while riding a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> like you'd have to have magnetic pieces or something, obviously. But somehow I feel like playing an 18xx game on, an, on a roller coaster is probably not a good idea. <laughs> nope. No, this sounds sort of uh, treacherous for others, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> Going from a 10-hour game to a game that you can play in less than an hour, I'm going to talk about World's Fair 1893, which was released in the U.S. from Renegade in 2016. This plays two to four players. I actually have played it most recently at the two-player count, which makes it a nice, snappy, quick little game. I've also played it at the four-player count, which adds a little more strategy, but I think I like it at the two-player count better, personally. Um, so in World's Fair... Each player is an organizer of the fair, attempting to increase their influence through the fair by providing exhibits for display. Through the game, you're competing against other players by placing influence cubes in the different areas of exhibits, so fine arts, agriculture, and things like that that you would see at a World's Fair. This is a light strategic game that I can play in less than an hour, which is perfect for lunchtime, mm. which is awesome. That is awesome. It's an 
It's an interesting mix of set collecting and area control, and you want to collect a variety of exhibits for your set collecting goal. So you don't want to focus all on agriculture. You want to get a nice mix of things for your final scoring. The fun thing, this is my favorite part of the game actually, is that the players choose how quickly or how long the game takes by picking up midway cards as they are playing the game. The fewer midway cards that are collected by players, the longer the game goes. The more that are collected, the quicker it ends. And it plays through three rounds. I love this game, and I don't actually see it getting talked about as much as I think it really deserves. But it's one that I love introducing to new players because it's easy to teach. It's quick. It's pretty. It's just an enjoyable experience all around. And you said this one's by Renegade, right? Yeah. this. You know, um, I, I, I feel like this was one of their earlier titles right like kind of because they've made a this big was 2016 splash. yeah okay. so 2016 was a pretty big year for them I feel like this may have been one of their first ones though and I think I might have kind of like it's it's weird nothing about it put me off but I just haven't really been interested in it but man considering how much I like a lot of their other titles and your description of it I feel like I should definitely give it a shot because there has not been a single game they've published thus far that I've played and disliked at all which is crazy yeah, that's it's the same for me too. Renegade, like I think I said this in our uh, twenty seven or twenty sixteen recap. Renegade has been like huge for me mm-hmm. recently. I don't know, and it's weird because their games don't have any singular like theme or style, but just everything they've been putting out has been really just well designed, well produced, and fun to play. Yeah, Clank is still one of my favorite games. <laughs> oh yeah, loving Clank. But yeah, World's Fair, if you haven't played it, you should. It's quick enough that everybody should give it a try. So for my recently played, I technically haven't played it yet. So I'm going to let future Crystal hop in and give you the rundown of how her play of Star Trek Ascendancy, the new expansions for Ferengi and Cardassians went. I'm actually really excited to hear about this. (sighs) I have not bought the game yet. I'm I'm so so afraid because I know I'm going to love it and I just don't see it getting played enough. It it doesn't get played enough, even with me. And I don't care. It's so, (laughs) so good. I now, so I own the base game. I own the two expansions that are released and I have the play mat, which is like (laughs) this giant, it's not, um, it's not the neoprene, like normal, like the smaller play mats. It's like a thinner plasticky, like big one. Oh, okay. (laughs) Which I didn't know when I ordered it, but I was like, I don't care, I'm ordering it anyway, because it was on sale somewhere. So I'm gonna, we're gonna have the play mat, and we're having four players, we're not doing five, even though you can, because that just, it it seems like, I want to do it with four first, but we are going to use both of the new races. And yeah, I'm going to be Ferengi. I claimed it first. I was like, it's my game. I am taking the one I want. Because the Ferengi- you just want to say females, like the whole game, right? Human Females. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to be naked like a Ferengi woman would be traditionally because that's too much. Uh, But no, it's cool because normally one of the normal ways you win the game. Well, there's two ways to win the game. You either take over everybody else's home worlds or you collect enough culture tokens to get enough ascendancy tokens. If you get five ascendancy tokens and you control your home world, you win the game. But Ferengis are not allowed to build the things that produce culture at all. But you can buy culture with your production <laughs> nodes. Because oh, usually yeah. production just helps you build things. And in, for the Ferengis, production will also help you gain culture. So it's it's super thematic. And I'm very excited. 
Hey there, Future Crystal here. So I got to play Star Trek Ascendancy yesterday with three of my friends. Uh, I played the Ferengi. So since we only had a four-player game, the Klingons were the race that we did not use. We had the Federation, the Romulans, Ferengi, and Cardassians. And the player and I who were controlling Ferengi and Cardassia had both played Star Trek Ascendancy before, and the other two players had never played the game before. And they were the Federation and the Romulans. It was fun early in the game. We all were very friendly, making lots of trade agreements. And then obviously, as things tend to go in a 4X game, eventually those trade agreements dissolved and we started fighting. The Federation was really close to winning the game uh, based on they were about to get their fifth ascendancy and they still had control of Earth. So I went in and took over Earth, which made it so that the Federation couldn't win right away. And then the Romulans got their fifth ascendancy right when I went over to try and take over Cardassia Prime. So I would have theoretically had three of the homeworlds controlled, including my own. But I was I failed in uh, getting control of Cardassia Prime. So the Romulans ended up winning the game with five ascendancy and control of their homeworld. Being Ferengi was really fun. Uh, being able to purchase culture instead of acquiring it normally through culture nodes was really interesting. Um, the Cardassians had a pretty hard time doing some of their special stuff, like only because the systems that they kept discovering weren't uh, warp-capable civilizations, which is something good for the Cardassians to invade those types of systems. So they were having a little bit of a tough time at it. But overall, the game is still amazing. I still love it. It's awesome. I recommend it to anybody who likes 4X games, or and especially if you like 4X games and you're a fan of Star Trek. It is a very thematic feeling game. Uh, I did talk about Star Trek Ascendancy at length back in episode 10. So if you want to go check out my thoughts on the game from a, like almost a year ago now, uh, you can do that. So for our thematic discussion this week, we are going to talk about expansions to board games. I don't, I mean, I don't know how new of a concept this is. I actually did a little bit of research and I could not find any good anecdotal evidence to show like when board game expansions kind of became a thing, but it feels like prior to probably 20 years ago, I would imagine, and this is speculation, but I would imagine that most board games were one and done. Like they got released and then they kind of, at least by who published them, unless they were printing new versions of it, got ignored for the most part. Would you guys think that, that that's accurate? Yeah. I yeah. mean, the oldest one I can think of is Catan. Right. Which is now the game, the base game is 22 years old at this point. Right. Wow. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really think about that, but. I mean, I don't know that many super old games, so even if they did have expansions, I wouldn't know. I guess Sherlock Holmes is kind of old. Oh, I that's true. Sherlock old. Holmes, but then, but expansions for it, I believe, I, I, are all new. More or, recent. Way more recent, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure when the... Because there, there were original, the French expansions that weren't published in English for a long time, and I don't know when they came out. Mm. So. I mean, and we've talked about uh, restoration games before, like they're doing new versions of mm -hmm. older games and adding to them. So that could kind of fall into that category. But it feels like, so why do you think board game expansions are a big deal now? Because people want to keep playing games that they already enjoy, but maybe they're starting to lose as much interest in that specific game because they've played it so much that they mm -hmm. need something to make it fresh. Yeah. And with board games just getting bigger in general, 
like so many more people are playing board games and the internet is helping board games expand. <laughs> so board games themselves <laughs> need expansions too. <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of people, myself included, talk about how we keep like kind of get acquisition disorder and you keep wanting to buy like new games mm-hmm. all the time that you don't even get to around to playing. Yet it still feels compelling to buy expansions to existing games, especially I think the ones that you really love. Because even if you aren't tired of a game, it's exciting to get new content for something that you already really enjoy. Yeah, so you still have the acquisition disorder for the expansion. So you get the new feeling, but you already know how to play the base game. So it's less work to learn it. Yeah, it's less upkeep. (laughs) You don't have to learn a whole new game, just a tiny new set of rules. I will, that's an interesting point because I think for me personally, I actually, I don't buy a lot of expansions. I've kind of started to a little bit more now, but I tend to actually get intimidated in a different way by expansions. So like if I know a base game really well and I can teach it really well, I sometimes get paranoid about adding in expansions (laughs) because I worry that I'm going to mess it up. A good example of that would be, here's the mention for this episode, Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) I I don't know, have I mentioned it recently? It's a game I like. Did y'all know that? Shocking. (laughs) Battlestar Galactica has three different expansions and I've played with content from all three. I only own two of the expansions. If anyone has a copy of Battlestar Galactica Daybreak that they're willing to sell, contact me. Uh, (laughs) But like, I... Especially if I'm trying to teach the game to new people, I am hesitant to add in expansion content because Mm -hmm. I both doubt my ability to teach it well and their ability to not only grasp the concepts of the base game, but the expansions as well. Because it can be a little bit overwhelming for me personally. And I know that that's not the case for everyone, but I sometimes get scared and will be like, uh, even though I have this expansion for a game, I'm just going to teach you the base game only. I do that a lot with Lords of Waterdeep when I'm teaching new players. I've played the expansion several times, but generally when I'm teaching new players, I don't add that content. And part of it's because I haven't played the expansion as much as I played the base, so I don't want to teach it. But the other part is that it might be too much for them. And I can definitely see BSG being too much, but some expansions you get the rules for it and it's just one page so it's really easy to add that in like i just got the expansion for quadropolis and it's literally just a tiny little sheet of paper that i just threw in with my regular rule book and i'll be able to teach that no issue but yeah some of them well the psg ones have their own giant massive (laughs) rule books and they change a lot of the base rules i think is the problem with with that one specifically so do you think publishers should be considering expansions right from like literally when they sign a game like they've somebody a game is being presented to them as something for them to potentially pick up should they be considering expansion content right from that first moment or is that something that can be considered later yeah so i don't really like expansions and i don't get expansions that often so everything i said before about why people get expansions was just speculation but usually i don't get expansions because i think If I like the base game enough, I can play the base game and I would rather buy a different game and get like a new experience than buy an expansion for a game I like enough already. I don't know. But I I think the idea of having an expansion planned when you're already just publishing the base game is weird because why is it not just part of the game if you think it's like 
better? Well, uh, I would say an answer to that would be, you know, we just heard from Future Crystal a moment ago. (laughs) And games like Star Trek Ascendancy, it's built as a three-player game and the expansions add both new races and new player count abilities. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was potentially a good decision on their part. They have one more expansion coming this year for the Borg, which I'm super excited about. And it they in the base game, so there's a turn order deck that shows you like turn order one, two, three, four, whatever, how, who goes in what order. There are 10 cards included in the base game. And there's only three races in the base box. And then now there have been two more. And then with Borg, theoretically, there would be a total of six. So I have to imagine that when they planned this game, they recognized that at some point you could play this with up to 10 people. I don't know how that's even possible. And they just hadn't created the other races yet, I guess. Maybe. And there have been, there's been speculation online as to what other races could be created because the Star Trek universe is really vast. Mm -hmm. But like if they included a whole bunch of races in the base game based on how large each race needs to be content wise, that box would have become so unwieldy that you would have never been able to like handle it. It's already huge just with three races in it. So it would have I think been like the Gloomhaven box. <laughs> Gloom- yes, it would have been bigger than Gloomhaven, which is crazy. Uh, but I, I think size and weight and price are considerations as to why you may want to have expansion content in your back pocket, but not release it right up front because taking some of that content out can reduce the price and make it more accessible, get people in, then be like, okay, here's some more stuff if you really like it. Well, take Scythe, for example. They had their two extra clans that were part of the expansion on their base board already. So they obviously knew that that was coming since they just printed it on the board when you got the game. And then you get the game and your clans or whatever they're called. And you're like, okay, well, where are these two colors? Yeah. And then later, expansion. Which I, of course, got because (laughs) it was weird to have a base board that had those two colors and then not have them playable because you didn't have them yeah that's that is how weird, they get your think... money <laughs> that is exactly how they got my money exactly Yeah, because i think it's definitely preferable to them not including them even though they know they're coming and then you having to like replace components later on that so they are included right yeah, i mean that box was huge too like originally and it was crazy yeah so are expansions a good thing or a bad thing i like expansions when they're released after I've had a decent amount of time to enjoy the original game and maybe put it away for a little while. And then the expansion brings new life into it and it makes me want to play it again. That is nice when like you've kind of been, yeah, when you've been neglecting (laughs) something and it inspires you to pick it back up off the shelf. Right now on Kickstarter is actually an expansion for one of my favorite games of last year, uh, The Networks. By Gil Hova. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. I like you running a TV network. It's like, really? How does that work? And he, it's, it's thematic. The art is so cute. I'm honestly surprised I like such a thematic game. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it I is do like it that really, game. truthfully, it's a Euro game. Oh, yeah. It, which is, but it's, yeah, it's so thematic that a person who loves Euro games will enjoy it. And a person like me who likes thematic games will also enjoy it. And I think that's where the beauty of the design well, I really like, shines. I really like TV too. <laughs> I, 
I spend most of the game trying to figure out what TV show they're like mocking on the cards. <laughs> but yeah, so the networks is um, expansion is on, currently on Kickstarter. So if you like the networks or if you've never played it and are interested in it, you can get the base game as part of the Kickstarter as well. But yeah, what Cassidy said about expansions, uh, I think it's good when they come out a while after you've played the base game. But if they're announced like right after the base game just came out, it's kind of weird because it's like I haven't even played the base game yet and you already have an expansion. And that's that's when I think it's downloadable content. It's like downloadable content in video games, right? Like you buy the game and then the next day, hey, here's some new content. And I'm sitting here going, can I at least get halfway through the game before you shove new content in my face? Yeah, so that's where I think it's a little silly yeah it's a fine line because if you have expansion content that's really exciting like when when is the ideal time to announce and release it because if you wait too long if the hype of the game dies down too much then the expansion might fly under the radar so it's like trying to strike that balance yeah and i guess with all the games coming out now games don't the hype of games don't last very long Yeah. yeah Like, I mean, there was a new expansion that just released for Five Tribes. I love that game. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I, you know what? I kind of heard about that, too. And I was like, wait, really? Well, I think that's why they took advantage of it with Clank and released that Sunken Treasure expansion so so quickly after release. Mm-hmm. And now they have the standalone Clank. Clank We're not even, not even. Space. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> I am excited about it and want to see it. And I know that everybody got mad about how overhyped it was online, but it looks like... I'm not like, mad about that. I'm just well, mad that I just got my copy of Clank and the Sunken Treasures expansion. And then, look, there's a new game that's a Clank in space. And I'm like, can I enjoy this Clank first? Please? Yeah, and I actually, I was kind I'm of a little upset. Myself. No, it makes sense. I'm a little upset because, yeah, I just acquired Clank and the expansion within the past two or three months. And I truthfully think that I don't need both in my collection. And I think Clank in Space is more my style. Another new game that just came out that's a reprint of another game is Twilight Imperium 4. And Twilight Imperium Um, 3 was one of the ones that we did have expansions for. So I don't think I've ever played it without the expansion because there was one of the strategy cards that just gives someone a point that uh, my husband doesn't like. And we've always replaced that. So... There are a bunch of expansions to Twilight Imperium 3, and people play with the different modules. But Twilight Imperium 4, I think, put a bunch of the expansion content into the base Twilight Imperium 4 game. There's a, all the different races and different strategy cards and stuff. So that yeah, is that box exciting. Is huge. <laughs> yeah. I have still never played Twilight Imperium, and I very, very, very much would like to. So You should. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm destined to love that game. Mm-hmm. So basically, expansions can be good, can be bad. We don't know when they should be released. And <laughs> ambiguity. Sometimes we just but don't I, care about them. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, they run the gamut. So board game publishers, we've given you no useful, actionable information whatsoever. I don't even, do you want, do you think any board game publishers listen to our podcast? Like anybody, like, that's important in the industry? You know what? Hey, guess what? If you're important in the industry, <laughs> by your own definition, you should tweet at us and tell us that you listened to this because that would make you one of our favorite people. 
For this week's etymology segment, I'm going with the obvious and looking at the history of the word expand. The English word expand, meaning spread out, open out, spread flat, or extend widely, or cause to grow larger, came about in the early 15th century. It finds roots in the words from three different languages, partially from the Anglo-French espandare and the Old French espandre, and it directly comes from the Latin word expandere, meaning to spread out, unfold, or expand? I find that interesting that the modern English word is used in defining the older Latin word that came before it. So that's a little bit weird. Like, I guess when a word gains such saturation in our brains and knowledge that we'll use it to explain a word that came before it. I don't know. It's everything is crazy. So the Latin word can be broken down into its Latin roots, ex meaning out and pandere meaning stretch. So the simple definition of the Latin word would actually be outstretch. I hope this information helps you expand your knowledge of etymology and the word expand. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to show us a little love, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Just head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our patrons get a lot of benefits, including access to our private Slack channel, where you can chat with us directly anytime. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Check out all the other shows in the network by visiting dicetowernetwork.com. Until next time. They'll make you take the box out and add knowledge to your brain. They'll make you learn some crazy rules, but components you'll obtain. And excitement will be gained. Come on! Upside, inside out. We're Blitz and La Vida board games. Bye, everyone. Bye. Whatever. I don't know. Just. What's well, gonna have a in. bumper? Oh yeah, yeah. Bumper. Good. <laughs> that should just be the bumper. That was the best bumper music I think I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs>